give me a, Amara, give me a, give me an order of um, the machos, uh, Macho Supreme, please, with extra cream. It's Think Outside the Box Set! Let me do one. It's the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour. It's funky like a monkey, sky's the limit, and space is the place. It's Macho Man by Village People. Oh my god, yes. And it's also Think Outside the Box Set, which is the internet's only outrage machine. I'm Maddie Hunt. I'm Cameron DeWitt. AKA um, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah <laughs> um no, i wasn't prepared to do that mm. i think i might can we take a break yeah we'll come back tomorrow <laughs> <I'm tired. laughs> have you seen that video uh someone's interviewing macho man randy savage i think it might be like arsenio hall <laughs> and he, macho man randy savage just is like talking about how it's okay to cry so how it's okay for macho men to cry. Okay to cry it's really sweet that's he's awesome. Like, I, he's like, I've, I've cried a million tears, but I'm still so macho. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's like, this rules. <laughs> uh, now I'm just thinking about Sophie, um, which is always good. Um, Sophie and Macho Man Randy Savage have a lot in common. But this is a different kind of Macho Man entirely from the village. A villager of some type. Like you, one might find in... Animal Crossing or Minecraft. The villager. The <laughs> humble villager is the is the lead actor in our tale. Um, and it's the Village People's second album. It only has six songs. Have you had any um, revelations or thoughts about the Village People since last week? Um No, I'm I've mostly been just saving saving it up for for this album. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're the last album was four songs and it took us too long to get through them. We were going to do two albums and we mm-hmm. weren't able to because we had too much to talk about. And I think that is just going to happen again. Yeah. Um, it's mostly just about the village about people. Them. At the least songs. last week, it was mostly about the village people themselves. Right. Versus like the actual music. Although there was some interesting stuff going on in there, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, should we just like get into the songs like, yeah. Instantly? That would be great. Okay. Yeah. We're going to start with... Uh, oops. I'm going to get rid of these old sand samples. We're going to start with Macho Man. Uh, so good. So it's really good. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you do you remember when Homer Simpson sang Nacho Nacho Man? <laughs> I was gonna bring that up actually. Yeah. Okay, great. There was also some. I maybe been after the Simpsons, but someone did a some dip a commercial. Mm-hmm. Did a commercial. Do you remember this? I don't think so. Not firsthand. Uh, someone's like in the Boy Scouts or something like saying it or referenced it. For the longest time, I thought the song was Nacho Man because I was very yeah. insulated from pop culture and I didn't go to a lot of, yeah. you know, parties or have friends or go to dances. <laughs> eat a lot of nachos. Eat a lot of nachos. No, I really didn't. 
I was, and it turned uh, out I wasn't very macho either, after all. <laughs> it's weird yeah. how that works. Yeah, th- that was the first I had heard of this song, was through that commercial and through The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would be a little while longer before I actually heard this song. Let's macho see if I can. Man. Okay, let's give this a shot. Uh, there we go. Well, I guess I should pay my share. Oh, relax, Homer. I keep telling you, you're my guest. Ooh, you brought me a nacho hat. Thanks, Ned. Yeah. Nacho, nacho <laughs> man. I want to be a nacho <laughs> man. <laughs> well. That's it. <laughs> um. What a good show. Yeah. Always It fun. was. Oh my god, this is horrifying looking. There's like a fish eye lens. Hey, just add old El Paso to old El Paso. Top, and old three El minutes Paso. later, you're a nacho, nacho, nacho man. Old El Paso, where it's easy to be nacho. It's easy to be nacho. Old El Paso. <laughs> that was uh, our this the salsa that's basically just marinara. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> uh, yeah, this is about. Being what if ketchup were a salsa? <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is about being very masculine, but at first it's not about that. It's it's about being hot and sexy, mm-hmm. and about other people wanting to be sexy with you. Mm-hmm. The first lyrics are "Want to feel my body, baby." Mm-hmm. It's too much, my body. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't give it. I don't think he's talking to a lady either. I don't think so either. I think he's talking. I mean, to maybe uh, Victor dude. Willis is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> but the character in the song <laughs> was this written by? Was he's the second ri- um, writing credit? Victor Willis, the straight man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was doing works like out video. in the health spa. Muscles glow. You could best mm-hmm. believe that he's a macho man, ready to get down with anyone he can. Anyone he can. At all. If he's physically capable, he is getting down. <laughs> um, and then the chorus is just, I mean, you know, it's just macho, macho man. I've got to, I, I always thought it was, I just want to be a macho man. But what, is, what is it? At least um, on the genius. I've got to be. I've got to be a macho man. It's an imperative. So, it's well, a burden. We, should, we should talk about the, the dark turn that the song takes. Will you, will you play that? Mm-hmm. Who is John Galt? Turns out he's a macho, macho man. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to talk about, um, we've talked about this on the show before, but uh, I believe it was the coining of the term homosexual was a way for masculine uh, masculine 
gay folks to differentiate themselves from flamboyant feminine uh, gay folks. And that's where the the divide of like the the homosexual and the queer, I believe, um, began. Um, And I think this is like a really tragic history because um, it is always easier to dissociate yourself from people who are even less um, privileged than you are um, in order to save yourself. And, you know, we see this with uh, all sorts of groups um, with emancipation of, of slavery um, Mm -hmm. with uh, women's rights um, and women's suffrage and feminism. um, And uh, yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's hard to be intersectional with the like weight of these oppressive systems bearing down on us and Mm -hmm. incentivizing us to uh, not intersect and to assimilate instead. So this verse is saying, it's kind of about that and is endorsing that in some way. Uh, Every man ought to be a macho, macho man to live a life of freedom. Machos take a stand. Um, I I think this is, this is talking about if we're going to uh, stand up for our rights in the daylight, like in the last album they're talking about, we have to be respectable. We have to be, uh, palatable and we can't uh we can't act too gay essentially and Mm -hmm. i i think this is important because there's a like a really long history before like the concept of um being a gay uh existed in the modern sense of the word um or uh, the idea of like having a sexual orientation Mm -hmm. um there were all sorts of men for in, in so many different cultures that were able to pass and keep and maintain their privilege while having homosexual and homoerotic and homo romantic. No, no, no. While uh, being ready to get down with anyone he can is what this yeah. the phrase you're, you're yeah, searching exactly. for. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this idea that if you are masculine enough, uh, it doesn't really matter who you have sex with as long as you can perform a dominator model of masculinity. Yeah, and, that was big for the uh, Romans. Because, like, yeah. if you were the penetrator, you were as masculine as it could be. But if you were the penetrated, you were uh, shameful and womanlike. Yeah, and it wasn't just back then, you know. Um, what's that... <laughs> What's that quote about, like, the British military? Oh, what what held the Royal Navy together was rum, sodomy, and the lash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, like, this is, these are, like, old, you know, ideas that there, there are ways to get these needs met as long as they are about coercion and violence um, and these masculine ideas, which to me says that the real threat to the patriarchy is not gay sex alone, but it is the deconstruction of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the, uh, the um, that sort of environment and uh, um, milieu 
still survives in like the prison culture in the United States. Yeah. Because for my, I can't personally speak to that, but that's my impression. My impression is like that. Yeah. um, Prison rape is like extremely common and nobody gives a shit about stopping it. And oftentimes it's deployed in very vindictive ways. If there is someone that like society deems as like, especially horrible people are openly like salivating at the thought of that person getting sent to prison and getting sexually assaulted, which fucking sucks. Yeah. It's uh, pretty dark. Um, Mm -hmm. I was always taught growing up, you know, that like that rape content warning. We're talking about dark stuff now. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I should have done that. Or maybe I'll do that in the episode proper. Uh, I mean, in the notes, but um, Mm -hmm. I was always taught growing up that like, you know, rape wasn't actually about sexuality and that people who raped other people um, wanted to be violent and they didn't want to be sexual. And I always thought that that made sense, but it didn't seem quite complete. And I think it's because um, no one told me that, you know, all of our systems of sexuality are, or all of the mainstream uh, compulsory ones are built on domination and violence and power. And that, you know, it would, it wouldn't be till many years later before I would hear, you know, terms like rape culture. Um, mm-hmm. And if you look at it through that lens, it's like, you you can almost flip that idea on its head and say like, well, you can't say that it's not about sexuality when, you know, a man rapes another man um, and say that it's just about power when power and sexuality are so intertwined in so many other aspects of our lives and our um, desires. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's that famous quote from Oscar Wilde. Um, Everything in the world is about sex, except sex. Sex is about power. I'm pretty sure that was Janelle Monet on Dirty Oh, Computer. okay. Gotcha. Sorry. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um as as like looking into this song i did a little bit of a dive into like the history of the word macho um yeah it originated in spanish um around 1928 machismo or i guess it was brought into um english in 1928 comes from the spanish macho meaning a male animal which is comes from latin masculus as in masculine and um as an adjective, it was first, from what I can see in the online etymology dictionary, was um, first used by Norman Mailer in 1959. And oh. I was, like, hoping to find out, like, how much, like, to what extent did the village people, like, popularize this concept, especially among, like, white people? Like, was it already something that white people were using all the time? Or, like, hmm. was it one of those, like, subculture terms that got, you know, introduced to a bunch of white audiences that hadn't heard it before. And I couldn't really find a good answer. Should we maybe say like non-Hispanic, non-Hispanic people? Yes, we should say that. Although, yeah, I mean. It's all a mess, but like. It's all a mess, but like, yeah, I mean, depending on what you mean by whiteness and white, like, I mean like white supremacist whiteness, which usually is not allowed to include Hispanic people. Um, But yes, you are correct. It is not, you know necessarily um uh, correct usage um 
Yes. So machismo, um, at least in English, came about uh, 12 years later than macho. Um, um, but yeah, I couldn't oh, really feel like a, I couldn't find like a really great um, like history. Whoops, let me just whack my microphone around. Um, couldn't really find a, a lot of good like um, history of the term. On Wikipedia, it says machismo is a term originating in the early 1930s and 40s, specifying as having pride in one's masculinity. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's it's an idea like in a vacuum by itself, which is hypothetically lovely. I mean, like Randy Savage, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he's able to express pride in his in his masculinity while talking about crying, you Mm -hmm. know, that's great. Um, I want, I have a vested interest in masculinity being redeemed and Mm -hmm. saved, Mm -hmm. uh, by the people who, whose work that is to do. (laughs) Um, I guess to some extent it is mine as someone who's raising, uh, as far as I know, a couple boys. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's pretty fraught because it's, it's pretty hard to excise, um, masculinity from patriarchy. And I don't know. I think this song's kind of trying to do it, but also it's in, it's, it's introducing, uh, patriarchy, uh, into, it, there's a cross pollination of, you know, extra patriarchy seeping into, uh, you know, gay culture as it becomes more assimilated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- I forgot that Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan weren't the same person. <laughs> this whole time when you've been talking about Randy Savage, I've been picturing Hulk Hogan. And I was like, wow, that's really sweet of him to like be talking about crying and stuff. When he looks like a like a like a um, hot dog at Seven Eleven that's been like twirling in one of those like spinning things for like six hours, just bright no, hot dog. Randy red. Savage is always kind of always kind of fancier mm-hmm. and like a little gaudier than Hulk Hogan. I mean, are peacocks macho? <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right there in the name. Yeah, I mean, um, otherwise it would be a peahen, well, which are super annoying. Well, well, um, one, one more in this. One more thing about this song uh, for me. They say "made by God, my body, baby." I think that's an interesting little thing hmm. to to throw in there. A little bit more. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Um, but it's like funny. It's like yeah, it's made by God, but also you're talking about like going to the gym and stuff and like mm-hmm. working really hard for it. it. Seems like you made it, but fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. Randy Savage claims that the nickname Macho Man, he says, the truth behind that is my mom was reading Reader's Digest one day, long before the Macho Man song came out, and they said in this article that Macho Man was going to be the next hot term. Interesting. Which is weird, like, weird to be, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, really weird to Reader's think of, Reader's Digest, like, the pulse of <laughs> America. Right on the pulse. <laughs> it's really weird to think of, like, I mean, I guess they were, like, proven wrong in the sense that, like, that was not a widespread like term except for a couple specific things. But it's really weird to think like this old, like staid cultural institution thinks they're the ones who are going to be introducing the new slang that like all the teens are going to be using. Like this is the next big teen craze. We're, we're calling it. We're, we are, uh, we're making it happen. <laughs> Readers digest. All the teens love it. Um, yeah. 
So I, yeah, so that was I was I was just curious, like if um, his nickname predated the song, and he claims it does. So should we talk about the the next one? I guess so. I don't. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about the song. It was their first big hit. Um, they say that they were recorded it really quickly after like signing the contracts with handwritten lyrics that were written in the morning with egg stains and coffee rings on it. Um, Cute. Cute. Yeah. I wonder if there's any truth to that at all. Um, Yeah. I I wonder, I wish there was like more about like how much of a phenomenon this song was. Cause I don't know. It's like, I feel like it was huge. I mean, it was, it was widespread even when I was a kid, you know, what, 15, I guess I was only like 15, 20 years after it came out. Hmm. I wonder how, like, how often it gets played today at like middle school dances and like bar mitzvahs and stuff. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard it at a middle school dance. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, did you? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't go to the middle school dances. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, the next song is called I Am What I Am. Oh, this song's fascinating. Wait, was that it? Yeah, it was, I guess. Sorry. God damn, the bass is just fucking ripping on this song and the last song. Fucking incredible. Really good. Alfonso Carey is the name of the bassist. So this is this is an interesting song after the last song about this sort of like compulsory uh, masculinity for gay folks, and this song is like talking to the straight folks and mm-hmm. saying like I can't choose who I am, but the first song is like we have to choose who we are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have to perform. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this song. So in the beginning, I am, I am what I am, what I am, what I am, what I am, I'll be, I'll be. I don't know if there's any intention to like evoke the name of God, um, because famously in the Old Testament, I think it's Abraham asked God what his name is, and God's like, I am, basically, um, from what I understand. I'm no Hebrew, um etymologist or anything um yeah so anyway i am what i am what i am for the rights for the rights of man hey so i'll just i guess i'll just go fuck myself then so thanks guys (laughs) (laughs) um people have the right to be just who they are people have the right to share all of their love people have the right to share just what they give the right to their free will and then into the chorus. I did not choose the way I am. I said I am what I am. This is my fellow man. Um, I did not choose the way I am. I did not choose the way I am. I said I am what I am. Please try to understand. And then a lot of that's like repeated. And there's a few more like new phrases like I am just a man. Um, I am what I am. Hey, all right. Um, they in, invoke racism a little bit. 
mm-hmm. or anti-racism, people have the right regardless of their skin. Mm-hmm. People have the right to let God's love come in. Oh, boy. Mm. Hello. Hello. <laughs> people uh, have the right to truly be a friend. To love is not a sin. Yeah. This is pretty radical stuff for 1978, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. This is way more than, you know, Garth was singing about. God love him. Mm-hmm. God comes into him. Um, <laughs> people have the right to live with who you they please. You got your ball. You got your <laughs> chain. <laughs> and you got into me. <laughs> oh god um people have the right to live with who they please people have the right to live there happily no one has the right to choose my love for me i was born free yeah and this is i mean i think we've we've talked about this on this show but like the um immutability politics immutability politics it gets a little bit like um i'm problematic um yeah because like I don't know. It's it's you can't really like separate nature and nurture, really. I don't think in any meaningful way. And if if the only thing you can be is the thing you were born as or born to be, then that sucks, and you don't have a yeah. lot of freedom. So, right. On the other hand, you are you can't also you know necessarily change certain things about you or you shouldn't have to be forced to change them just because people are bigoted either. So like, I don't know. It's, and it's, it's an anthem that I can see being very like useful for a lot of people and like very inspiring and maybe persuasive to like straight folks, potentially. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, (laughs) yeah, it depends on like what you're, ontology is you know mm-hmm. around like the what, what does it mean when people say i am you know and it's means they're god I, yeah <laughs> i think i think if you take you know a, a phrase like you know i was born this way i didn't choose to be this way whatever um you that doesn't have to be genetics and you don't have to take them literally as like like this happened at birth like this is an immutable part of me like in as an embryo or like as an egg or Mm -hmm. something um as an egg unless it's that kind of that kind of egg (laughs) um (laughs) but even if it is something that is like a an early on nurture that like sets if not a a truer like more fundamental nature um about someone it's still who they are you know Mm mm-hmm um, they were always someone and I think who was important. going to choose something, right? <laughs> like you can right. roll it back. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to. Yeah. Or like our identities are, you know, choices that we have to be able to make. Um, and, and, and also I think this is talking about d- the nature of like desire. I think that's the thing. It's like, we, we're so afraid of talking about desire. Um, the U2 song? Name. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a U2 song? Yep. Off the um, unbelievable, unbearable fire. Unbelievable fire? What's, oh, you're such what's a big name? fan. Wow. God, what's the name of that song? <laughs> what a poll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, people people are afraid to name it um, because if they name it, then they might have to do something about it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to like uh, repress it and get it in clandestine ways. Um, but um, but yeah, like desire is this like deep rooted thing that you can't just like. It is really tied up with identity, regardless of whether, uh, regardless of where it enters the picture for your like for your identity. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think it is worth saying that like, there are people that there are people that discover things about what they need at all different points of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, th- and I think it is significant that some, some of those people um, it's obvious, like as soon as they can talk mm-hmm. or as soon as they can walk, you know, I think yeah. that's, I think that's important. Um, yeah. And th- what, to whatever, I think those are often the people that the immunity, pol- immutability politics are for. Um, it's like, they're kind of first in line, these folks who um, it, it is a more acute need for them to get these things met um, mm-hmm. or else they might die. Um, which as we've talked about before, that's not a good measurement of like uh, 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 the validity of one's identity, whether mm-hmm. or not you can not kill yourself for something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is important because we don't want people to have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder how convincing this was to a straight person in 1978. Cause I feel like the main objection they had was not, that someone chose to be this way so much as just like, this is evil and depraved. And like where that, I mean, I guess, I guess you could like make further arguments where it's like, yeah, if I was born this way, then like God made me to be this way. And so therefore it can't be evil. Like you could, you could right. take it a few steps, but like, yeah, know, but there's like, always going to be people who are like, you know, I mean, that's like the pray away the gay, you know, stuff. It's just like, yeah, I'm, I have this sickness, you Mm, know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. Like I accept this in the same way that I accept that God gives kids cancer, (laughs) which again, (laughs) why do you do that? But (laughs) you already have gone so far. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think this song is pretty radical and pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and I mostly really appreciate it. Um, I also appreciate that this is a song being sung by a black man. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I often wonder as I'm listening to this song is Victor Willis. What does Victor Willis think about all this? Like, is he finding solidarity? Is he finding his own meaning in these words? Or is he Mm -hmm. feeling like an ally or like the... Yeah, he he didn't choose to be straight. He is who he is. (laughs) People have the right to love who they love. Yeah, It's okay that he's straight. And, you know, it's... Maybe he's born in this evil way as a straight person. It's not a depraved lifestyle choice. And he can accept it. That God (laughs) made him straight, just like God gives kids cancer. (laughs) All right, here's, I, I looked up some, um, some quotes from Victor Willis. Uh, Victor Willis said on, twi- on Twitter, on Twitter, uh, sorry to disappoint, 
This is uh, September 20th, 2020. Pretty recently. Ooh. Sorry to disappoint, but YMCA is not about illicit gay sex. Hashtag truth. Yeah. And um, I found a article, actually. Oh, God. I think I lost the title. Um, I think it's something about... Um, like... Aha. Uh-huh. It's from out.com. The village people will sue you for saying YMCA is about gay sex. Yeah, um, bummer. Yeah. he Victor Willis said, I will sue the next media organization or anyone else that falsely suggests YMCA is somehow about illicit gay sex. Willis warned via Facebook, later adding, get your mind out of the gutter, please. Willis posted, he wrote 100% of the lyrics to YMCA and declared, quote, I ought to know what my song is about. In 2017, uh, blah, blah, he said, news.com, the song was actually about his youth and the time spent hanging with friends in his urban neighborhood. Yep. Yeah. Although he says I mean, he wrote the song to apply to anyone's lifestyle. So, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I guess he's trying to, he's doing like the equivalent of like um, uh, MacLabor saying like, I'm not gay. But if I was, I would want equal rights, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can't, I don't know if that was the Macklemore or the, the like Lonely Island uh, parody of it that I was just quoting. (laughs) The the same in my head. I think, yeah, I think that's Lonely Island, but Macklemore. Yeah, maybe. Sing Um, Love had uh, like a, I don't know, like a, 10 year anniversary recently maybe or something um and it was like so. it, it was it was on tiktok and there was like a lot of um, yeah november 2012 queer folks. Mm-hmm. oh wow yeah there were a lot of queer folks on on tiktok making uh making videos about their relationship with that song or their stories mm-hmm. it's actually kind of sweet it made me feel like a bastard <laughs> a oh, little bit yeah <laughs> I guess I guess it was recorded during the campaign for Washington to legalize same-sex marriage, Washington State, um, which I guess they did in November of 2012. Um, yeah. And then the cover artwork for the single shows a photo of Macklemore's uncle and his husband, Sean. That's sweet. No. Yeah, so like, I don't know. To the degree that it is like, you know... Uh, political activism or like helping spread the message about this important referendum. I mean, that's obviously yeah. good. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel some, I looking back on it now, um, I think I was ready to be annoyed at Macklemore and that was part of it. But then I think about like um, anti-diaries from Kendrick Lamar mm-hmm. and uh, a song that I know pissed a lot of people <laughs> off. Um, Excuse me. And I'm trying to hold my judgment of it lightly, but I really appreciated that song because I did too. Mm-hmm. I, I, have we actually talked about this? You're the I first person to so. point it out to me. <laughs> should we? Should yeah. we talk about it? I on, think I sent you like, a link to it. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, Cameron!" You I did, and then I listened to the whole album. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if we've actually talked about it. Um, Maybe not. Well, we can have a refresher. I, yeah, not. really liked it. Um, it was before my egg cracked. But um, I remember people, yeah. like, objecting to the fact that Kendrick uh, misgenders his aunt and maybe even uses, like, a slur at some point. Um, he uses the word faggot quite a bit okay. in the song. Yeah, that's what it is. But it is very clearly not endorsed. 
um, mm-hmm. and he calls himself out um, for for his history of use with that of, of using that word um, by saying maybe it's not true, but saying that um, either his trans cousin or trans uncle um, like was like I seem to remember a time when you were on stage and a white woman came and sang with you and sang all of the words, even that one, and you took issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so isn't that a little hypocritical if you think the words are just like sound waves or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. That's like the kind of punchline of the song, mm-hmm. which is just like everything we've been wanting from fucking Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you know, it's just like, acknowledge the intersectionality here acknowledge your double standards you're Mm -hmm. so smart here and so ignorant so willfully everywhere else Mm -hmm. you know and now it seems to be spreading now that people are like we're not going to think that you're funny he's just he was just on snl talking about how hard his job is you're fucking on snl you (laughs) asshole (laughs) easiest job in the world god damn it yeah the song ends with um the line the lines uh, to truly understand love, switch position. Faggot, faggot, faggot. We can say it together, but only if you let a white girl say N-word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, and that comes from his um, trans cousin, I guess. Like, cause he opens with talking about... Um, Marianne. Is that who it is? I thought it was two people. Yeah. Uh, Mar- Marianne and his and his uncle. So uh, he said... He, I don't think I want to say it outside of the context of the song, but he dead names his cousin and says, dead name is Marianne now. Yes. Okay. But He's constantly misgendering and, and dead naming uh, and, uh, these family members who he loves a lot. But yes, in, in the context of it serves like a purpose. reflecting, yeah, it's, it's a very rhetorical, like pointed because it's reflecting his previous, like unevolved uh, viewpoints. Um, like it literally starts with the um, in the first verse the uh, the first line. My auntie is a man now, um, so I guess yeah. his he has a trans uncle and a trans cousin, Marianne. Um, yeah. So, um, right. Uh, I I, I really appreciate that song because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a it's a song for cis people mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to like model. A process, a, a kind of like a, a a a a grief process and an understanding process um, for cis people as they're trying to keep up with mm-hmm. uh, uh, with the trans people or gender nonconforming people in their lives, and uh, I feel like the song is pretty excellent in that, and it, I feel like the song is excellent and useful as a model for cis people because Kendrick Lamar is as far as we all know is cis and is really compassionately and artistically depicting the messy unflattering process of learning to understand that someone is different than you thought they were um, Mm -hmm. or has changed or whatever. And the ideas of immutability or change um, and, it's not like delved into in like a theory kind of way. It's all about the emotional truth of his relationship with these people. And he's not actively trying to erase his history Mm -hmm. um, with these people. And uh, 
I just think it's like really interesting and a really good song yeah. and one of his best songs ever. <laughs> yeah, I I appreciate it too. Um, there's also a moment where like he stands up in church and like calls his pastor out for the pastor's bigotry, and um, said, "Mr. Preacher Man, should we love thy neighbor?" <laughs> and says that it's the day I chose humanity over religion. Yeah, I I like it a lot. Um, I think it's pretty impactful. Um, I also really like all of the all of the stories about. Um, Whoops. I guess he was back back when his his uncle you know was coded as like a a butch lesbian, um, and the stories about like kind of like looking up to him and being like, uh, look how much <laughs> look how much pussy this person gets, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and having this. Um, this sort of masculine bond bonding relationship with this person, regardless of his knowledge of his gender. And, and also about how he exposed Kendrick to rap music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's like, so good. Mm -hmm. Um, Should we get back? Should we go to Key West? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Mama, I'm freezing. Mama, I'm freezing. I want to go to the sun, <laughs> to the sun. These icy winter breezes, winter breezes are killing all my fun. All my fun. I'm heading for Key West, the key to happiness. I'm cute. Right <laughs> I'm heading for Key West. <laughs> I love that um, on the Genius, they like notate out the... Um, the the extension <laughs> key ye ye west key ye ye west yeah yeah oh they do it for like not a every lot, word not a lot of too i'm on the rut on yeah <laughs> you don't necessarily have to do that genius <laughs> so someone's someone went to work on this <laughs> yes they went to town on this um they're going to key west. i don't know much about key west um it's I'm assuming west it's a gay of place. key east Key East. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's going to be underwater in a decade or two, oh. probably. Boo. Boo. Um, um, this isn't that much about gay, gay stuff or about hedonism. I mean, it's about leisure, says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about being less cold. So, yeah. I don't know. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's not crazy you can drive song. out to Key West. That's so bananas. It's like so far west off the coast of Florida. Or, you know, off, yeah. of, off the coast of, um, like, uh, where, where, like the road you get on Highway 1, and then it just goes west for so far to get to uh, Key West. Well, I think we should jump to um, really quickly cover the medley, but then spend most of our time on the final track. Okay, yeah, there isn't much here for Key West. So the medley is, um, on Spotify, it's split into two different tracks, but I think on the vinyl, it, it is notated as a medley. It starts with just a gigolo and then goes into Ain't Got Nobody. There will come a day and you will pass away. What will they say about me? When the end comes, I know they'll say just a gigolo. Life goes on without me. I'm just a gigolo, gigolo. and everywhere I go, people know the part I'm yeah. Pay for every dance, selling each romance. Oh, 
so these are both this covers. This is an interesting choice. Yes. Yeah. They, they're both covers. Apparently, um, Louis Prima famously did a medley of these two songs in 1956. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, they're sort of like covering the medley that Louis Prima like put together and made famous. Um, yeah, and there's, it's, they're kind of a, a weird couple songs to put next to each other also. Um, I I want to make the case that this song is kind of, or this medley is kind of about if we're if we're looking at it through a gay lens. Mm-hmm. Um, although the at least just a gigolo uh, is a is about women, or no, I ain't got nobody is about women. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but. There's this book called um, No Future uh, by Lee Edelman, and it's a a polemic against reproductive futurism. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I feel like these songs are kind of about that, especially just a gigolo. There's this, you know, this this person isn't engaging in the family system, is not reproducing, is just sort of itinerant, and is just sort of living for pleasure. But the consequence of that is that uh, his life is meaningless, you know, it, mm-hmm. that's sort of the, uh, I'm just a gigolo. Like mm-hmm. all of these things will fade away and I won't be able to make this. Um, uh, I can't engage in this, like s- the psychic comfort of knowing that my genetic material or legacy will pass on because nothing I do matters. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is a, uh, a thing that gets leveled at, gay folks assuming that they don't reproduce, which isn't true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, it gets leveled at them for, um, you know, you're, th- this is like a myopic like way to live. Um, you're not like, you're not doing life in a way that you're supposed to. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, and you're not like, wh- who are you going to give your, your your things to when you die or who's going to take care of you and all yeah um almost as if there's no you know found family Mm -hmm. uh almost as if no queer found family doesn't exist or community um or as if they haven't built something extremely powerful and like a legacy that's Mm -hmm. amazing as if i'm not gonna leave all my things to the catholic church when i die right (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and also as if we aren't all going to die and no amount of reproductive futurism is going to, like, change that, you know? We <laughs> like, are? Uh, we Uh-oh. are. Yeah. Whoops, that's nice. I didn't to know me. if I accidentally did, like, a double negative or no, something no. there. No, I'm just being, but, um, just goofing. So from, e- from either direction, it's, uh, I feel like that's kind of what, what this song is about. Um, yeah, is is about this uh, structural systemic loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the end comes, I know they'll say just a gigolo as life goes on without me. Yeah. it's um, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Life goes on and this person vanishes with no trace, basically. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, not, I was... Not I was, true. Yeah. I was looking into like... I was researching a little bit. I was like, I wonder... because. The Wikipedia article for this 
song seems to imply that gigolo is meant to not refer to a sex worker so much as just a paid dancing partner in like a dance hall um oh interesting but i think that that's nonsense i was like looking into um like the etymology of the word gigolo and it's definitely has like the sex worker connotations from uh the very first yeah so Oxford says a young man paid or financially supported by an older woman to be her escort or lover. It's weird that they gender Mm. it like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's also weird that this song was, I don't know, considered like any kind of standard or like was sung by, I don't know, respectable like singers or whatever. Like, like, People's grandparents like dance to this song. I don't know. It's odd to me. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I ain't got nobody. Deuce Bigelow was the first time I ever heard <laughs> the term gigolo. Yes. But Cameron, he is a male gigolo. You must remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I ain't got nobody. God, the band on this record is so fucking incredible. Ah, amazing. So, so this is this is an old. An old like folk song, I think, or maybe it was just like a really old pop song. It's but a really this old, is an pop old song. one. Yeah, um, it was composed by a ragtime pianist and blues composer named Charles Warfield, um, uh, with David Young as a lyricist and Marie Lucas as the arranger. I kind of wonder if it was around before that, like, hmm. or versions of this, like fucking Tatiana and Allison, Tatiana Hargraves, or Allison DeGroote and Tatiana Hargraves do. Uh, basically this song is like a fiddle and banjo duet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think it might be older than that. I don't mm. know. The first time I ever heard this song was this uh, novelty Halloween, uh, like sensor activated uh, skeleton that when you walked <laughs> by it, it would start saying, I ain't got no body. <laughs> Good bit. <laughs> <laughs> Does, does uh, a skeleton a not count as any kind of body? It's it's just like a oh. a very minimalist body, one might say. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have a sound sample. It's just a, I was just assumed it was a lonely skeleton oh, who wanted okay. to pass on its genes. <laughs> <laughs> to not just be a gigolo skeleton. No. <laughs> Um, uh, you want to play the sound sample? I do want to do that. <laughs> Just that. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. It's the moment. Here we go. We've all been waiting for the ultimate gay destination. Mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah. Here we go. Give me 40 good Cities with one man you can't trust. Cities with one man you can't trust. Sodom and Gomorrah. 
This sounds like an ABBA song to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Especially that chorus. Now, you've written a song about catchy. Sodom and Gomorrah. Tell us about your oh, history did, of yeah. musically engaging with sodomy, Cameron. <laughs> I'd rather not. <laughs> it was a good song. It was a good song. Um, I, like, I ended up, I wrote a 16-page Milton pastiche inspired by that song. Oh, my God. 16 I I, pages? Yeah. I mean, once you get into that, like, iambic pentameter, it's, like, easy to crank it out. Um, and I was writing it for a class, but, um, yeah. I, so, I, yeah, I liked it. I I don't know how worth it is to <laughs> worth it is to talk about. I always forget how little people actually know like about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um because it was just like crammed down my throat <laughs> and into my brain and, and all my orifices yep. over yes. and over oh. and over again. <laughs> yes. I mean um, me too, yeah. yeah. Uh but uh one reading of this, the the insidious reading of this is that this these towns needed to be destroyed because they were too gay. That's um, the interpretation that a lot of uh, has been like maybe most famous and like spread all over the um, you know like American culture and is at the root of at least the present usage of the word sodomy. Um, although legally, I think it means something different and historically also. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think another reading, which is, in my opinion, also problematic, is that there was just too much crime in these cities, <laughs> and that's why they needed to be destroyed. <laughs> but they did still need to be destroyed <laughs> by divine yeah. judgment, um, and they're they weren't worth saving. Um, I think that maybe a more interesting read of this story is that you know. A lot of this, like Old Testament stuff, especially, was about whether or not civilization should exist, mm-hmm. and what are the that. what are the consequences of living in a society? Um, we live in a society. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the Bible's so twisted. <laughs> Ter- Bible's totally jerkified. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I gotta write that down. Um, hold on. <laughs> the Bible is totally jokerified. Um, episode title, maybe. Um, so, a a theory about the story of Cain and Abel that has gained some prominence uh, in the last few decades, I guess, is this idea that it wasn't a story about you know f- fraternal jealousy but it's actually a an allegory about the uh agricultural revolution um and that you know abel was a nomadic um shepherd uh person who you know just brings around animals uh uh, but isn't growing food isn't uh uh making crops um and things like that, and therefore creating um, property. Uh, and Cain isn't is you know the the supposed to be the first agriculturalist. Mm-hmm. And it's basically this story about how Cain, the first agriculturalist, is murdering the uh, the nomadic 
people who um, forage and hunt and mm-hmm. um, raise animals um, because he is the agriculturalists are uh, making it impossible for those people to live. And I think that's a really like interesting and useful way to engage with the Bible. And when you think about it, it's like, obviously that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like at least that story. Um, And I don't think there's always like a useful idea to be, you know, in every single Bible story, but I think that is an old and useful idea and something that we should still think about. Um, And Mm -hmm. I wonder about like Sodom and Gomorrah, like if maybe that's actually kind of what's going on. It's just like all of these civilizations are popping up and they, it's really bad. We can't the all, we can't let all these people get together. That's like a a reading of like the tower of Babel too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like uh, if, you know, God's like, these people can accomplish any, anything. I need to like slow them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, that's actually about not having um, monolithic hegemonic power structures. That's about the, the health of diversity mm-hmm. um, of languages and cultures and about like uh, the destruction of, you know, imperialist systems, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, I'm not saying that like, I'm, I'm not trying to Bible thump right here, mm-hmm. um, but this song is not engaging really with any of that. And it's mostly just a really fun, campy kind of song about Son of a Gomorrah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty surface level. It is. Yeah. And the crimes are great because of all their lust. And it feels like a, it feels like it's supposed to be fun and tongue in cheek. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and it's an odd choice. Morale wrote it. Yeah. It's it's a really odd choice because um, this is 1978 and it's bold to be like making cheeky like references to sodomy and like people's um, like the religious uh, bigotry of people who are like talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and how God yeah. wants to smite the gays like he did back in Sodom and Gomorrah times. It's really odd to do that. <laughs> this is definitely not a song for the straights in the same way that I am what I am <laughs> is kind of a song for right. the straights. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't remember if you it said this specifically. It feels a little Lil Nas X. Mm, yeah. I don't remember if you said this specifically, but um, the, the specific, like the, the, the interpretation that I have heard religious people talk about for Sodom and Gomorrah is that, um, it's not that it was about gay sex. It was that there's a crowd of people wanting to rape these two like visitors who like the laws of hospitality protected. And so that's why God decided to destroy the entire town. Um, right. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, it's, I guess in, in to some me, way that, that reads as like, like propaganda, like eliminationist propaganda yeah. from, this like warlike people yes. who are yeah, going I, around and like destroying civilizations. Yes, I agree. So maybe yeah. um, it, it removes like the, the troubling element of like, Hey, we should exterminate the gays and re- leaves behind the troubling element of, Hey, we should exterminate <laughs> the criminals, <laughs> which is also yeah. not good, especially because yeah, there's it, so much in the story over and over. Like it's really extended how, Abraham is like, 
Hey God, you know what? What if I find 50 good dudes here? Would you, would you let the city live? What if I found 30? What if I found four, like 40? He keeps going like ha- haggling. Haggling, for yeah. Divine mercy. Yeah. It's kind of cool, like that part it's of the story. Dope. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, yeah. But it also, I think, puts God in like a really shitty light where it's like, yeah, I'll kill a bunch of innocent people. I guess not necessarily 50. Hmm. Maybe not 40, but I'll definitely kill some innocent people. <laughs> and also, it's just. I don't know, based on what Abraham thinks are like trustworthy men or righteous men or whatever the phrasing is. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and the song does that. It like counts down by 10. It starts with like, just give me 50 good men and I'll spare the whole city. Give me 40 good men to destroy you all would be a pity. Um, and then the chorus follows that up with Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah cities with one man you can't trust. I thought it was cities with man, one man you can trust. Might be a tran- transcription error. Yeah, because I can't see how it could possibly be just one man you can't trust. When the thrust of the story that they're talking about is that <laughs> most of the people should be killed. Um, yeah. The angels found one good man in Sodom and Gomorrah, one man who did not have a heart full of lust, they told him to leave to take his family and run to the mountains for safety. And then, of course, like, it sucks to talk about lust as something that people deserve getting killed over. <laughs> also, as if it's like, on its, like, having sexual desire on its own is enough to get you murdered and exterminated. Because that's really bad. Uh, yeah. It's... Yeah. And they just engage Interesting it. song choice. <laughs> and they just, like, repeat it so uncritically, too. Like... <sighs> I, I can't, I do not understand why this song is here, what they wrote it for. Like, <laughs> what is this doing here? Yeah, my, my only guess is that it's just sort of one-dimensional irony and that it's camp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unless there's some sort of deep and deeper story behind it. Yeah, I mean... I'll just do a quick search thing about why did they sing about Sodom and... Gamora. Um, mm, no, I don't have. I, I can't find anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone's talking about him on on Twitter. Um, it's literally just the village people singing a straight retelling of the Sodom and Gomorrah verses of the Bible. This is the most hilarious troll job in music history. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it is just a troll job? I I I mean I guess hype hypothetically like the straight writers you know in in this song which i guess there are three of them in the in the writing credits like maybe they were i don't know maybe not he's old we know from his last name but (laughs) (laughs) that's really dumb (laughs) yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah i daddy interview with peter whitehead huh That's interesting. From Electric Sheep Magazine. Hmm. Well, uh, that's the album. Hmm. Oh, it's about the filmmaker. Five or six tracks, depending on how you count them. A lot of it is pretty baffling. (laughs) Or maybe it's just that, like, I'm just so, like, destabilized by that last song. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the album's mostly the song Macho Man, and the rest of it is kind of, like, filler in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I am what I am is 
I guess so. A statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Key West is pretty boring, and then mm-hmm. the covers are. I don't know. You could project. I could project some meaning into them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's you know. I mean, yeah. To, to add a gay reading of "I ain't got nobody" when the nobody is like specifically gendered as like a woman is a fun thing to be like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gay. I don't have like a woman. I don't have a wife. Um, yeah. So, anyhow, the next wow, the next album is going to be "Cruisin'" from 1978, which has the song YMCA on it, and has. Okay. And arguably an even gayer title than Macho Man. <laughs> Cruising with an apostrophe instead of a G. So. Yeah. What could it mean? <laughs> what could they possibly be talking about? Um, huh. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, you can visit us online at Vox.website. In fact, wait, strike that. We've decided now is a good time to move all of our online presence to Twitter. It seems like a winning bet to do right now. (laughs) Hey, we can get verified. (laughs) We can get verified. And we can hang out with all the even more Nazis that they have now. Um, Isn't that great? And it was bought by a Nazi, too. So that's awesome. Um, So visit us us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. You can go to our Twitter account which is at Tobias podcast which automatically tweets when we release a new episode so <laughs> we have it hooked up somehow that years ago and forgot to deactivate it and that's the only time we've used the dang thing um you can support the show in a number of different ways spread the word tell people about it um write us a review on like itunes or i mean apple Podcasts, whatever and spotify all the platforms give us those stars give us those yummy delicious review words um you can support us more directly by going to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. You should also join the Discord. The link will be in the show notes. It is a good time and low stress, low traffic, um, but good stuff going on there. <laughs> um, you should also listen to Cameron's other podcast. It's called Get Up in the Cool. Just do it already. I've, I've been would. telling you weekly for like five years now. Just go ahead and do it. Go, go listen to Tall Poppy String Band uh, wherever you yes. listen to music. And if you listen to vinyls... You can grab yourself one of those. It's on vinyl now. Yeah. Until next week, I have been Maddie Hunt and God comes into me. And I have been Cameron DeWitt. And you know who else lived in a society? Sits in chair backwards. This twisted guy named (laughs) Jesus Christ. I've always thought you'd make a good youth pastor, Cameron. You look so good sitting astride a backwards chair. (laughs) I think that's the main requirement, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think I told you about this person who does um, uh, Gen Z youth pastor on on TikTok. This character. I'd say Gen Z and I just thought. You know who else busted a down sexual style? And was absolutely goaded with the sauce? That's right. My number one quirked up white boy, Jesus Christ. You see, Judas was sus and cringe, but Jesus was based. Our Lord and Savior was so chad-pilled that if you peep his bio, the Bible, you'll find that he not only had a little bit of swag, but big himbo energy as well. My man, JC, was the dopest influencer of all time. 
<laughs> Let's get bricked up on the Bible, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Shout out to Hispanic Attack with two Cs. Uh, that's so...